Thanks for joining us here. But before you buckle the kids in and play this on full blast, heads up, this podcast has some cussing and adult content. I'm Carla Tenike, a mother, sister, photographer, and friend. I started my podcast journey as a way to connect with people from all walks of life, giving them space to share their stories with me one person at a time. To the puzzling disappearance of one of Connecticut's most popular wedding photographers, last seen by his pregnant wife when she dropped him off to search for his lost mountain bike. She's now leading a frantic search to find him. ABC's Paula Ferris has that story for us. If you need a wedding photographer in Western Connecticut, chances are Eric Langloy is probably your first call. The 33-year-old is known for his edgy and fashion-forward shooting. But now, the man responsible for creating so many matrimonial memories is missing, and a desperate search is underway. We have a very close-knit friends in the wedding and photography community. It was overwhelming, the amount of people that immediately showed up, brought flashlights, brought water, whatever they could do to help find Eric. One week ago, Langloy took a bad spill on his mountain bike at Lover's Leap State Park in New Milford. His helmet was cracked, so I know that the right side of his head was where he took a big hit, either on a rock or on a tree. He didn't remember. The next day, his wife, Amber, who is pregnant with their third child, dropped him off near the scene of the accident so he could retrieve his bicycle. Looking back, he did seem a little unusual. My sister noted that his pupils were dilated. He seemed a little off balance. Just a few hours later, a woman hiking by a lake in that state park heard a man cry for help and called 911. We're not sure if he ever found his bike. We're not sure if he was trying to pull his bike up and fell in. We don't know how he ended up in the water. From that moment on, there's been no sign of Langloy. And after nearly a week of searching, his family and his wedding colleagues are holding on to hope that the man who's helped to make so many special days for so many couples will have a happy ending of his own. Now, volunteers continue their search this morning, even though officials have called off coordinated search and rescue efforts. And by the way, Eric and Amber's third child, George, do Christmas Day. Oh, okay, Paula, thanks. It's so interesting because Eric was just, a lot of this stuff was classic Eric. And, you know, people have asked me, you know, how could you have not called the police sooner? How could you just, you know... It, and if you knew Eric, it made sense. If you didn't, it doesn't. So um, he went for a bike ride. He was kind of new to mountain biking, maybe like six months in, just had gotten a new bike, super loving it. This was like going to be his outlet to get away from work a little bit. And um, it was his thing. And I've been with him a couple times, but so he, um, you know, had told me the night before, can you get up and, you know, hang out with the kids? I'm going to get up early and go for a bike ride. So I did that, and it was around 10 o'clock, and my sister was up at my mom's house um, doing makeup for a boudoir shoot that was scheduled, and I can't get in touch with Eric. Normally he's there at this point while Stacy's doing makeup, setting up, and... I couldn't get in touch with him. He's not answering his phone, not responding. Um, so I get in the car and start driving around looking for him. Pissed, of course. Um, like, 
how do you just disappear like this when you have a shoot? So, um, driving around everywhere, looking for him, and trying to, not even knowing who the shoot was, but trying to, um, you know, talk to my sister and say, well, can I just do the shoot? Will that work? Or can she reschedule? Uh, not knowing that she had come all the way up from the city to do this shoot and really was dead set on having Eric shoot it. So, um, I'm still driving around, not finding him anywhere. And my phone rings with an unknown number, which I answer and it's him. So he is at a person's house. His phone, um, went in the water. So that's why it wasn't working and he needed me to come pick him up. So I went and got him and had, he had clearly had a bike accident, him and his bike and his phone, everything went in the water. He swam across the uh, Lake Lilanoa uh, like river um, <clears throat> and walked to the closest person's house. So he was soaking wet, and I went and picked him up. He was hurt, maybe, you know, just not himself, disoriented, but <laughs> I had to tell him that he had to go do a shoot, <laughs> that he had somebody waiting for him in Woodbury. Um, I have to pause and ask you this question because I'd never been to that lake and never been to that park and I had no fucking clue what I was walking into when I went. Now, you know what that park looks like. And when you heard that he fell in the water, did you have a heart attack? Because the water from where the bike path is, is hundreds of feet up. It's not a small like, oh, I went off the path and I'm going doing a little five foot drop. Like it is right. treacherous. Yes. It's a gigantic, treacherous drop. Yes. So when you heard that he was in the water, were you immediately like, like how your anger happen? abated and then yes. you're like, how did that happen and how are you alive? Or were you like, just yeah, so like, oh my God, you have to go to a shoot? Were you just like, yeah, how did I you think, feel? Uh, all of that. I was confused. I don't understand how you're riding a bike and you end up in the water. But um, the water also, you know, that water is controlled by dams and um, at that time, by CLMP, so they control kind of the flow of the river. It leads all the way down to like the you know the the dam in Derby. Um, I was super confused. Like, what do you mean you were in the water? You were riding a bike. Um, but I also didn't understand the trails that he was riding on until you know much later. Um, and so I picked him up, and he was wet and muddy, and um, I wanted to drive. Well, first of all, I, wa I wanted him to go to the doctor. I was like, whatever, you know, this person can wait who came for this shoot. Um, and he was like, no, absolutely not. I'll, I'll go do the shoot. I wanted um, to drive him, but he wanted to go home first, get his gear, obviously. So I drove him up to... Woodbury, where my sister was waiting for him, and um, he did the shoot. Uh, the pictures were amazing, and then my sister drove him back to our house, where we just picked up pizza and fed the kids and um, had dinner. He went to bed extremely early that night, like nine, and um, I had an appointment for my first ultrasound the next day. So I got up early and he was sleeping to get ready for my appointment. Um, I got the kids ready, put them on the bus, 
got ready for my appointment, um, and he was still sleeping. So I left for the doctor, had an ultrasound, everything was great, the baby looked awesome, and I came home around 1 p.m. How far along were you at this point, do you remember? Uh, um, a little less than two months, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe just about two months. So I came home and he's still sleeping. And it was like one-ish. Which so, is so not like him. No. Um, and I w- was concerned, so I woke him up and he looked like a different person. Um, his like face was swollen. Um, he, he, he just didn't look like himself. And he, <laughs> the first thing he says when he gets up is, you have to drive me to Lover's Leap before the kids get home so I can get my bike. And I was like, screw the bike. Who cares about the bike? Like, you need to rest. If anything, you should go to the doctor because you've been sleeping all day since 9 o'clock last night. You don't look yourself. Um, And he was like, seriously, I'm getting dressed right now. Please, I got to go get my bike. Um, So I drove him there to Lover's Leap and pulled in the parking lot. He gave me a kiss. Um, and I was like, you have no phone. How, how am I going to know you're okay? And he said, I'm either, um, I'm going to ride my bike home once I find it. Um, otherwise he's said, come back here and I'll wait for you in the parking lot. So as he was walking away, like I'll never forget it. He's walking away from me, um, sitting in the car. It just starts to pour um like one of those june flash flood for 10 minutes kind of moments and not a single car is in the parking lot at lover's leap but i waited for a minute and then he kind of disappeared so um and i knew i had to go home to get Ryder off the bus and then i had to drive all the way up to the kids school because avery was at brownies so i did that um got the kids went got avery and we, on the way back from her school, this is a couple hours later, um, went to Lover's Leap. Because I was thinking at this point, he probably found his broken bike and is sitting in the parking lot soaking wet. Um, and doesn't have his phone because it got wet, right? The day before, yeah. yeah. So we go back there and me and the kids um, walk the trails and are yelling for him looking for him, looking over the edges. And that was the first time I'd been on those trails, and I was like, I cannot believe he rides a bike because he'd always talked about the blue blue trail. So we're walking the blue trail, and I, I'm like, I can't believe anybody would ride a bike here. It was covered in moss. All the rocks were slippery. It was hard to walk, and here I am with two little kids and pregnant. Um, so, and I'm getting irritated now at this point um that he's kind of made some bad choices and so I'm like all right guys come on let's go home we're gonna go do homework maybe he's home so we go home he's not there no sign of him um we do homework I don't have a dinner plan I don't I don't know that's like a dinner plan is kind of like what rules my life every day (laughs) with the kids so we I decided I'm going to take them to sushi. So we get in the car. We go to the sushi bar. 
and um, we're eating at the Japanese place that we go to all the time. Now, on the way home from there, I could have made the left to lever sleep, and I was kind of irritated, like, I still haven't heard from him. I don't know what to do at this point or where, where to find him with no phone. So I'm like, let's just go home. He's probably there. Um, so we go home. It's like 6 or 7. Get the kids showered, ready for bed. I turn on an episode of Mad Men and decide if I don't hear from him by the end of Mad Men. The kids will be asleep and I'll be able to call the police. Which is what I did. At this point, you're really worried. Or are you? Because you had said before, if you knew Eric, this seemed like typical behavior and wouldn't be necessarily cause for alarm. But if you didn't know Eric, you'd be like, why didn't you alert the, the police yeah, after like, an hour? I, I mean, you know? I would wait. He would go shoot weddings. Um, we shot weddings together a lot. But, you know, a lot of weddings we didn't shoot together. I would do one a weekend was kind of my limit. And... So I would wake up at 5 in the morning on a Saturday, and he's not in bed. Um, but it's because he had shot a wedding in Old Saybrook and was tired on the drive home, pulled over to sleep. So um, I appreciated that if he was going to fall asleep at the wheel, he would pull over yeah. and not be driving. But at the same time, it was just kind of, you know, what, what he did. So I didn't get worried until... You know, I stepped out onto the stoop to call the police. And I just said, you know, my husband went for a bike ride. It's now almost nine. Um, and he didn't come home. And the first thing they said was, who, who are you with? And I said, well, my, my kids are sleeping. And they said, can somebody come be with them? Because we need you to come down here. Which I was kind of like, that's weird. Um... Did that absolutely terrify you to hear that? Um, it made me just kind of think, like, he broke his leg, he's in the hospital, or, you know, there's, mm-hmm. there's some story that, um, you know, they didn't want me to worry over the phone, so they were like, you know, can you, can you find somebody? So all of my close neighbors, for whatever reason, weren't answering that night, so I ended up um, actually finding family friend you know the kids were already in bed so it wasn't going to be an issue just to come sit at the house and not leave them alone and then I called my dad and my dad was like you know Eric you know come on they want you to come down there well you know Eric like he'd probably come walking through the door any minute um so I got in the car to drive down to the to drive to the police station it's like nine o'clock and I pass lover's leap the park where I dropped him off and there's like eight news vans there. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the first point that I started to get nervous. Um, you know, looking back now, if after our sushi dinner, if I had gone to Lover's Leap because I was kind of on the fence of whether to take that turn or go home, um, me and my kids would have rolled into like a full on search. That's probably better that you didn't take that turn. Yeah. Yeah, I think it all happened the way it kind of was supposed to. So um, my parents knew I was driving there. I think I was on the phone with them when I passed all the news vans um, or maybe called them back. 
And I was like, you guys should meet me there. Because now I'm scared. Um, and they did. And then from there, we, we called Eric's dad. But um, looking back at it, I think I was a little bit... They gave me a lot of hope. Um, they were maybe not as real with me as um, they could have been or based on the information that they had. It was interesting to go there because I was the last person who saw him, so of course I'm like treated like a suspect. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of separated me and wanted a written statement um, right away of whereabouts and times and, you know, of the past two days, which I did. I just sat there and, and wrote and wrote and wrote. Um, and at this point, I'm still not really understanding what's going on. Because um, they haven't told you anything at this point, have they? No, no. Um, they they said the reason why we wanted you to come down here is because we did have a 911 call. Um, there was no person reported missing. And there was no car in the parking lot. So we have kind of stopped searching at this point. But now that you've kind of called and now it's kind of connecting the dots. and um, But, you know, they, they did tell me about the 911 call. So I, I sat there and, you know, wrote and wrote and wrote. And they were like, so we're going to, con- you know, continue our search at 9 a.m. tomorrow. You guys go home and get some rest. Sure. That's exactly <laughs> what you feel like doing, right? <laughs> yeah, did, let me go home and go to sleep now. Did they tell you what the 911 call said? Um, that somebody was seen in the water. Um, and it shocks me today, too, because, you know, when you look back, like hindsight is always twenty twenty. but I never asked to see that person's statement. I never asked to hear the 911 call, all these things that I'm like, why didn't I ask it? But I wasn't even thinking that way. So I went home, and I think that's when I sent the text that you definitely got that, you know, was just kind of like, here's the situation. Um, That's when DiCarlo showed up. And Which, what did you do? Do you remember what you texted? Because I ended up losing text. It was kind time. of like a group text, but I was like, Eric didn't come home tonight. I just left the police station. There was a 911 call. I don't know what's going on. Um, but, you know, he could be hurt in the woods somewhere. He went to look for his bike. Uh, you know. Now, I who did you text? Who did you send that to? Oh, um, it was to DiCarlo and you and uh, Janet. You know, some of just our kind of closest friends, just those mm-hmm. people who... You know would get up in the middle of the night and head down. <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. A, in a, like, yes. pinch. I knew, like, just the people that come through. Um, and my mom was at my house at that point. Um, Eric's dad and my dad were like, well, we can't go to bed now. We're, we're going to Lover's Leap. And the police were very, very against that. The park's closed. If anything, if you guys go missing now, like then, then we're searching for two people. That's going to take away from our efforts to find Eric. Um, you know, my dad was just like, if he's hurt in the woods, like timing, time is everything. So yeah. Anthony DiCarlo drove right up from New Haven and was like, I can't sleep knowing that my friend could be hurt in the woods. Yeah. I, I got to go find him. Um, so... 
and my mom wouldn't let me go there until the sun came up. You know, you're pregnant, you don't need to be on those trails in the dark. So I sat there with um, some of my close friends from high school that were close by that had come right over and, you know, my kids slept through this whole thing, which is crazy, but we, it was like 5, 10 a.m. As soon as the sun came up, we got in the car and went there um, to look. And, you know. And that's when I woke, I woke up at a little after 6. <clears throat> I put my phone on silent so I don't get woken up by texts. And yeah. I woke up to that text and I remember sitting on the side of the bed in my underwear, looking at that text going, holy fucking shit. Like, and I remember texting you saying, I'm about to post this on Facebook. Like, is this real? Because as soon as I post it, I know we're going to have, like, a huge turnout of people that are going to come help. And it feels like, so stupid to say that it feels like that that's the part that makes it real. Is like when you put it out there and you say it out loud. But, like, as soon as I did, we were, it was like, we were inundated with people that were like, how can I help? How can I help? It was amazing. It um, was amazing. It, there are still, I don't know, there's a still a lot of it that I don't remember that is kind of blurry to me. Um, <clears throat> was it from the point where you went and searched in the morning and then like, which parts do you think? Well, that point, it's, it's crazy to me because that point... Um, the reality was not real, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, my friend Erin is the biggest goofball ever, and she's, like, slipping down the path and falling in the mud up to her waist, and, you know, DiCarlo's on a canoe. And <laughs> Which is so funny <laughs> if you know him. <laughs> you know, so, like, we, yeah. and we're, like, kind of laugh. Like, like this is kind of, like, crazy and silly, and we've been out here since 5 in the morning. Um... And it's going to be one of those, fucking Eric, here he is. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, oh, oh, I decided to go sleep at my brother's for the night because right. I couldn't find my bike. Like, you know, it's going to be one of those. It's got to be. Like, he's definitely just, this is, um, you know, we're doing, going through the motions of these things, but, like, there's not anything wrong yet. There's, he's he's yeah. somewhere. Um you know, so, and then it got even more real when everybody started showing up and, um, you know, trying to, like, I got nervous because it is a state park, so the person, the, you know, the team handling the whole search is park rangers, and I'm like, are they really equipped to handle this, yeah. and do, and what do I know about it, um, you know, I think, Everybody, it was overwhelming how generous and how people just stopped everything to come and do whatever needed to be done. It didn't matter, you know. My mom folded laundry like a maniac and, <laughs> like, you know, my, my lawn was mowed and, you know, everybody just was, like, anything they could do, uh, you know, it was... It was incredible. There, there was so much food, and restaurants were donating whatever they could, feeding the search parties. People were reaching out to the news and the media. Like it, it just still blows my mind. Um, and meanwhile, there felt like there was such a separation 
between you and the family and the, the, the official search party because they didn't want to talk to anybody but you, which we got. But then there was hundreds of volunteers that were like kind of not managed. Like there was like this, this crazy crowd of people and nobody was stepping up. And so that's where, what the fuck do I know about a search party? But Clearly I'm like, something. nobody's <laughs> stepping up. Like there needs to be order. There's Somebody fucking chaos to manage this. So that's where I stepped up and DiCarlo stepped up. And there's a couple other people that we, you know, divvied up responsibilities and just got organized about it because there was such a, there was such a tipping point of like, almost panicked chaos because we felt like there wasn't enough being done and they would oh it's drizzling so we're not gonna the official search party is gonna get called off and all of us are like are you fucking kidding me this is our friend who could be hurt in the woods dying you know Mm -hmm. and suffering from exposure and whatever because we you know we all still had so much hope you know and and that was like that was like the and we it's like we, we wanted to protect you guys from like all of that side of like what we were all going through and like what the chaos that was happening out there and how we were trying to handle it. And like, there's a few of us that were kind of like allowed access to you guys to like keep you informed and let you know, like we want to, we kept you guys in a bubble. Like we wanted to just protect you from everything else because there was, because you should just focus on your kids and like finding Eric and getting the information from the official search party. But it was chaos and it was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Totally insane. I can't even believe we all went through that. I think we are all different people because of going through that. Yeah. It's not something you expect to get thrown into, mm-hmm. like, no. in the middle of the week. Um, in, in, June. A, in June, a group of wedding, <laughs> wedding professionals in June. Like, are you, like, there was one point during the search where we saw wedding parties come for pictures there, and we're like, like, it just so happened I didn't have a wedding that first... Like, I didn't have a wedding until... Uh, there was two times I had a wedding in June. At that point, I had a slower June than I've ever had, which was... Nuts. Really nuts. Yeah. And that was what was supposed to happen. I was supposed to be where I was, you know? But seeing, like, wedding photographers come there, and then they heard what was going on. They were following the news, because this was national news at this point, that this photographer from Connecticut, and you know, was missing, and that this community just from across the country like pulled together we had people from other places in the world ordering us food to a bridge we didn't have an address we gave them coordinates to order food and deliver they're like where do we deliver I'm like the corner of here and there they're like all right we had like we had so much support and so you know seeing I think I think it was Anthony that actually talked to the the photographers that were shooting there and they were like holy shit like to be there working and look down and see it's like this 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 thing like Eric Eric affected so many people, not just wedding professionals, but so many people felt like this connection to him. I still hear it. They're like so many people. They're like I never met him. I didn't know him, but I followed the search and I cried every day and I prayed every day and I was like, you know, had such empathy for Amber and she was pregnant and like her kids and like it was this story that connected so many people that didn't know him. It was crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. it was I, I don't think he could have ever imagined no. that. No. Can yeah. you imagine his reaction? He'd be like, whoa. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, you guys went off the rails. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Oh, my God. Totally. And, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, 
like, you know, uh, Ryder was like, okay, well, you know, there's, he wanted no part of being at school. He wanted no, he just wanted to be at my house with my mom, and that's where she spent most of the time. But, you know, I needed to be kind of everywhere at once. And Is that where you guys ended up at Ruth's? Was That, that became, like, the, the official, unofficial yeah. like home spot for the family. Yeah, well, she was amazing. Um, she had no, she knew Tom's family um, and their friends, which was just a coincidence. But her beautiful yard was kind of um, just, I knew that was where Eric had um, kind of come out of the water and walked through her yard the previous day. So we, you know, knew that that was kind of a spot that he could have came through. Um, his footprints were in the mud. Yep, I had a picture of that, actually. Yeah, his, his footprints were in the mud where he had walked out that day. So, and, and she was just amazing. She was <laughs> totally happy to have 50 people in her yard every day and yeah. whatever she could do to help. She felt horrible for the, you know, it was so interesting for her to say, like, the water at that time was extremely rough, very fast moving. Mm -hmm. um, you know, her saying, I've never seen this water so dangerous. Never it was it like deceptive too, because it was a, it was a, it looked like a calm top, but right underneath, it was underneath like a swirling was, tornado and it was so deep there. Yeah. 80 feet deep, which. Oh, that's terrifying. Is crazy. Um, you would never know. And <laughs> I remember when you first came, you were like, I thought you, this was like a stream, like in my backyard. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. Which is like a brook. In. Yeah. No. God. No, this is like Housatonic River crazy time. Um, the fact that he, I mean, he said that his camel backpack, whatever, um, having air in it, having him, I guess he had drank most of the water, but that is kind of what made him float the day before. Um, so... The fact that he didn't have, like, ten life jackets strapped to him when I dropped him off makes me a little insane. Um, the plan was, yeah, not to go back in the water. Because no. um, <laughs> the bike would sink and you wouldn't find, like, yeah. it's gone if it's yeah, in the water. Right, it's, like, right. in ten states down. But did he, did he think that it was, like, on the trail? Like, did he, because you were he saying earlier. So, he was so convinced, like, I'm just going to go get my bike and ride it home. You know, like, I think he thought that he... He fell, fell off, off the bike, and yeah. the bike stayed where he left it. But, right. I mean... We never found no the bike. bike. No, we never did find it. Could have been stolen. It could be at the bottom of, you know, that 80-foot deep, you know... Who knows about where that ended up. Um, the fact that he was so much on a mission for his, like, $125 <laughs> Craigslist <laughs> bike is ridiculous but um I think though that like the probably an important thing to bring up though is that 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 was and you did mention that this became his outlet he had no outlet to manage his stress and you probably I had a part of that I, I did and I I I felt such guilt over well it's like if you look at his Instagram um which I do all the time and like anything he had posted for like the like prior three months was pretty much 
him mountain biking, his dirty feet, his scratched up legs, yeah. his bike. Um, so, but it was his way to relieve all this stress from and like he the business was the part. Happiest, you know? and our relationship was the best. Like it, we were in a great place. He was in a good place. Things were changing with the business. Everything was getting more manageable. He had this outlet. He freaking loved it so much. Um, so all of that, as painful as, as it is, um, I, if it had been six months prior, um, he was so stressed. He had, you know, was having a hard time finding the joy. And I think that this mountain biking and taking an hour and going on a bike ride was just everything he needed. And it made huge change in our life. So I'm super grateful for it. Um, like everybody needs that. Yeah. Everybody needs that. Whether it's going to the gym or going to CrossFit or whatever it is, like you got to find your thing. It can't, it, it can't just be all work. Mm-mm. And that's what it had turned into for him. And where when we met at that diner, and he couldn't even like sit up straight and couldn't make eye contact. And I'm like, dude, you need an outlet. Like, you need like, what do you like to do? You need to like focus your, you know, work off your stress. And he said mountain biking, and I'm like, do it, go out and do it. And he did. Like, I I love that he took that so seriously, and it did change him. He yeah, he was so much happier. And I feel like everybody needs that. Mm-hmm. You know, it just it sucks that it was something that it ended him like it fixed (laughs) him and then it ended him. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Um, I have so much peace knowing that, you know, I think I just know he was happy. So I have a lot of peace in that. Um, And who knew mountain biking was so dangerous? What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. You know, he wore a helmet. It's just... But it was also like, I think, you know, it's easy for me to say, why the fuck did he go back for such a cheap bike? Because I would have given him the money to buy another bike. And he knows it, but he didn't want to ask. And that was part of him, I think, taking responsibility and saying, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to just write it off and be like, oh, well, I lost my bike. I'm going to actually go back and look for it. Well, which to us so is so proud of the deal. Cause yeah, like it was a deal. Yeah, bike, it was a good bike. You know, and it yeah. was probably like an $800 bike, but he got it for a couple hundred. Like, he yeah. was just so proud of his, yeah. of the deal. And he had been mountain biking with some, you know, his, like, bike from high school before that. So right. even, you know, it even felt selfish for him to take a couple hundred dollars and buy this great Craigslist bike deal. Um, He loved it. He loved it. So he was not leaving it there. Um, And I was, I think, very naive to, you know, even him having the accident the day before, like, I think I was still kind of naive because he was so confident to the fact that, oh, you could be going and putting yourself in danger again. Mm -hmm. Well, you think, what are the odds what are the fucking odds to no. fall off of that cliff one time and survive? You're never going to be stupid enough to let that happen again or careless enough or, or the 
the the number the the stars aren't going to be aligned enough. Mm-mm. Like you don't get struck by lightning twice, but you actually do. You <laughs> like, actually can. And that's the thing that like I think that's one of the parts that made it national news is that it's like this. You just fell off that fucking cliff yesterday, and to go back and like it happened again. Like, what are the odds? You just don't think it's going to happen. No. So I wouldn't say it's you being naive. I think it's you just being, at, now at this point, like, there's probably a level of paranoia that exists in you where you're like, okay, like. Well, what? it's just a kind of like, anything can happen is where I exist now. Mm. Anything. The, the craziest thing you would never freaking imagine can happen when you are two months pregnant and <laughs> mm-hmm. home with two kids I um you know I had uh, if this were a movie actually <laughs> if this were a movie or a book no one would fucking believe it no nobody no. would believe it no like it, the way things like, line up and there's so many other little things that lead into things that like we aren't even going into that like when you when you hear about it all, it just seems unreal. Like it doesn't seem real at all, at all. Yeah. But it was like yeah, it was like actually my life. <laughs> yeah, like and it is still your life. It's not like well that happened and like all right I'm moving on and like right, we're gonna all be normal now. No, there is no normal anymore. This mm-hmm. is your normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I um, I think that. When you go through something like that, you you live differently because literally anything can happen at any moment, any day. It sounds so cheesy, but I am lucky and happy and grateful to be alive. To wake up every day is like, not everybody gets to do that, clearly. No. And... That's a blessing in itself. Um, I think... There's just some things you can't explain. No. There are... Yeah. Um, And it's hard to be like... Because, you know, you go through life and... Like, there's a lot of stuff I've been reading now about being more zen and trying to be more happy. And, you know, reading... Things that say the place where you're at is like the best place you're supposed to you know, It's the best place. And everything that happens to me is the best thing that could happen to me. Mm-hmm. Every event is the best event that could happen. Like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> losing a friend that way, losing a husband and a father. Yeah. That's, supposed, that's the best thing that could happen. Like, or, or trying to find <laughs> the good in that. I mean, there, there honestly was so much good in that the love, the support, the way that people, I mean, come out of the woodwork, like, Mm -hmm. you don't get to see that kind of love unless Mm -hmm. something crazy happens, so, Mm um, you know, the legacy of his work and his relationships, all of it is just freaking bananas, I mean, the fact that this baby is, you know, do on Christmas Day. How freaking cliche. If that was in the book, everybody would walk out. I know. They'd be like, that's so fake. <laughs> yeah. Oh, of course the baby's due on Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the gift. The, the, yeah, right. 
navigate what my kids are going through because I can't imagine functioning without my dad. He's my first person. Yeah. Always has been. You know, that I call in a jam, advice, whatever. Yeah. Um, Do you think there's a way... <clears throat> to balance that grief and, and or manage that grief and kind of kind of master it a little bit and like like I think there's a point of struggle with grief where you're like I don't want to think about them because it makes me so sad but I feel like we need to wade through that to hit the part where we can celebrate how much that homeboy loved <laughs> fucking sloppy joes you know what I mean like yeah hey guess what once a month we have sloppy joes and we talk about the things we loved about dad and it just becomes a thing because we don't want to forget him you know you right. don't want to lose wanna that push it away no because he's who you much. are yeah. you know but it but I feel like it I feel like there does have to, there has to be, and this is where I feel like Mexicans have it right with their Day of the Dead bullshit. And I this love is where that. all yes. my fucking altars are still up. And I, love I, that. I only recently moved Eric's picture was right there. I looked at it every day, and my mom's right there. I'm like, look at my mom. It's up here. My dad mm. made that, and I've had it hanging, and I think, well, I should take it down. I'm like, well, why am I going to take it down? I don't want my kids to forget what she looked like. Although, Georgie, I don't think I ever really remember it because she was so little. Um, I don't want to forget what my mom looks like. I don't want to forget what Eric looks like. He's on my fridge. Every time I get water, when you go get ice or water, homeboy's staring right at me. Yeah. I'm not going to move that. And it, it, there are points where I would stand there and I would get water and I would weep getting fucking water because I was looking at him. Mm. And I'm like, I remember that day. Like, yes. And I, I don't weep anymore, I, although I am right now. But... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, um, it, I have pictures of him all, all over the house. Yeah. Him and the kids, our family picture, holding the kids upside down. Oh, that's my crazy, favorite, crazy, favorite picture of you guys. Crazy shit we did. But like, <laughs> you know, sometimes I think people come over, that makes them a little uncomfortable. Tough fucking shit, because Americans do not know how to process grief. I agree with you. They don't. Feel it. Yeah, Why run from it? Right. Don't be, run from it. Be, be uncomfortable. <laughs> be uncomfortable. Miss him. Miss him. Yeah. He deserves that. I agree. I agree. He does. And it makes he, me crazy. Yeah. It makes me a little crazy too, but then I'm kind of like, did I go a little too mm-hmm. overboard? Because I, I... They're looking to you to establish the norm, yeah, I think. Yeah. And They are. Those are happy memories. They are. And, and they're beautiful photographs. Yeah. And... We're lucky to have them. So I just think that's kind of, that they need to be there. Um, you know, I, the crazy shit happens to me all the time, but um, there was a picture, a, a wedding picture of me and him that was framed like, in a gallery. <laughs> Your wedding pictures were, <laughs> <laughs> the wedding pictures were pretty awesome. Uh, I'll post those on the blog too. <laughs> <laughs> He literally could not get over how, you know, that guy, like, shot our wedding film with all that backlight. He <laughs> literally, like, every exposure was freaking dead on. So yeah. the biggest photographers are onto something. Yeah. But <laughs> he, oh, um, shit. And he, he loved it. But they are very cheesy. But um, <laughs> our, They're awesome. Um, there's a gallery of framed pictures in my hallway, and that picture has fallen down and broken three times 
I've reframed it. Um, this last time that it, they were replacing carpets upstairs, and so they were, you know, banging the carpets in, and that picture fell down and broke again, and I haven't reframed it, but I'm like, hmm. That's so screwed up. Why does it have to be that picture? I know. What do you think it means? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Um, He loved you, girl. Oh my God. He was, I've never, I, I don't know that I've ever met anyone. Like you guys were together a long time and he was crazy about you. Yeah. He never looked at anybody else. Never. And we'd sit there and talk shit about people and be like, check her boobs out or check her butt out or whatever. This is before I even realized I was gay. Yeah. He would shoot boudoirs, all these like really hot women and, and like you were never worried. You shouldn't be. I hope you never were. He just didn't, he didn't see anybody but you. He did not see anybody but you ever. As long as I knew him, he loved you through the best times when I first met you guys, the hard times. Yeah, he never I wanted mean, to give up on you. Getting sick. Yeah. I mean, we, we You guys went, went through some through shit. Definitely. And that, that was one of the things that like <clears throat> you and I really, I feel like connected on when, when you messaged me and you're like, all right, cut the shit. Like, like we're going through some, some fucking bullshit right now. What do I do? What do yeah. we do? Yeah. We you know? I mean, I, what year was that? Was that? 2011, 10? No. Nine? I don't remember. I suck with years. No, so do I. Um, It was a couple years before he died, though, because that's where I was, like, full-on mama bear with homeboy. Yeah. I always felt that for him. Three years. Three years? Yeah, three years before he died. Yeah. Because she was still alive. I mean, that podcast was 2012, and she was still alive then. I just know that because I just listened to it, but... The podcast um, was 2012? Yeah. And she was still alive then? Uh-huh. But then he, didn't he die in 2013? This is where we, we really suck at years. Oh, shit. What, right? No, he hasn't been dead for three years. Almost. Yeah. Remember last in year was two June, years. Yeah. In, this in year June. it'll be three years. And I, I remember there was at least two birthdays because he told me, and his birthday is Thursday, mm-hmm. right? And he told me, and I don't remember if it was 10 a.m. or 11 a.m., that on every birthday, she would call him at the time he was born. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what time he was born? Mm-mm. Whatever it was, he would... She would it was around 11 in yeah. the morning. Uh-huh. And so he, he would say... He told me that when she died, that was... that was His birthday was the hardest day. And it's like... Because not, not getting that Not getting call. that call. And I remember you were recalling. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. I... Yep. Yeah. Um, you know... It's crazy to think about what his, is, as hard as grief and loss is, um, I think about his dad and his brother. Yeah. Shit. You know, like, that's just too much. Mm -hmm. I remember when we got married even, he had all four grandparents alive. Oh, gosh. And me being like... Does anybody in your family die? Like, <laughs> what the hell? Who has all four grandparents? Nobody I know. I don't know anybody that no, does. No, no. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. 
and Avery, we had Avery, and I'm like, I can't believe she has four great grandparents on your side Amazing. of the family. Like yeah. this is bananas. Um, and you know, my my grandpa died when I was nine. My dad's dad died when he was nine. Like so, I've never had all four grandparents, and they had not really experienced a lot of death. Or loss in their family. And I'm like, holy shit, they made up for lost time. Like, it's inevitable. We're all going to experience it. It's like, and there's no preparing for it. No, and I think some people just, it kind of is like a little bit more gradual and no huge tragedies. And, you know, and then it just, yeah, yeah, you can't make sense of it. And then one of his, which of his grandmothers was the one that ended up finding him? Um, His mom's mom. She had had knee surgery, um, like, right before he went missing. So she was in Canada and just waiting for the okay to be able to come down. And she's, she, like, literally, when Diane was sick, when Eric's mom was sick, she moved, pretty much moved in and cared for her around the clock. Diane really didn't want her two sons to have to do a lot of that day-to-day care. Um, and she did it and she pushed her limits with the Canadian border and how much time she's allowed to spend, be spending here and to keep her health insurance there. And, um, she didn't care. She, she worked it and, um, and we all got so close, you know, taking turns, sitting with Diane at night. Um, and when she came after her knee surgery and set up her folding chair, like she looked at me and she's, you know, dead serious. She's like, I'm going to find him. Yeah. And she did. I think it was the <laughs> one morning that we all weren't there. Yeah. We, t- we came in, we were going to come in later. The, yeah. After that candlelight. Yep. The day and, after the vigil. And the yep. Eight, and it? everybody yep. kind of was like, okay, this has been a week. And was, it was, and I remember that, I think it was that, the day before, um, having a conversation with the, the detective. And it had, like, literally just crossed my mind. And I said, do people, like, has it ever happened that you never find the person's body? And she's like, yeah, all the time. And I was, I, I kind of lost my mind because it was the first time that that even crossed That didn't my even cross mind. my mind. That did not. Because I was kind of like, oh, shit. <laughs> this could go on forever. <laughs> we would still be there? <laughs> we would still be there. Because I wouldn't like, stop. I wouldn't stop. No fucking well, how, way. How, how can like, you? No. I mean, people no. whose children are just missing? No. How do you exist mm-hmm. without... Closure. I mean, there's people whose kids are missing for over 10 years. And it's like, how do you exist? Because existing in that week, nobody should have to go through that. Mm -hmm. And it was a week, and it was a week too long. (laughs) Like, it was... um, So, when she was like, yeah, sometimes, no. I mean, there's obviously biology and science and, and things that make people turn up in water but you know she's 
explaining to me that yeah, sometimes it doesn't happen. So I, um, uh, I kind of was sick at that point. Like, how am I going to do this? How am I, how do I continue this with my kids? And how, how do we keep doing this? Um, and we went to breakfast and that was when I got the call that Brandy seen him. And then I was kind of sad. It was over. Because then it was real. I still thought he was alive. <laughs> Me too. I had so much hope. Ugh. I was like, dude, I, I would... Me too. Some days more than others. I but thought I, I was going to find him. Like, in my heart, I'm like, I can handle it. I don't want anyone else to find him. I can take it. Like, I'll find him. He'll be, whether he was dead or alive, like, I was like, I'll, I'll shoulder the burden and all, whatever. But he's going to be alive and I'm going to kick his ass. Yeah, and we're going to all punch him in the face. Yeah. And be like, how did you put us The fuck, this? dude? Yeah. Yeah. That was my, that was, you know, a really interesting thing that happened um, was how, how long it took for us to start documenting what was going on. And I can only speak from my experience. I didn't have this conversation with anyone. No one ever really talked about it. And I only heard later from a friend whose brother asked, like, I find it strange that they're taking pictures of all this stuff. And my friend was like, they're photographers. This is how they share their life. This is what they do. Mm-hmm. So they're going to they're gonna share their life and they're going to document it. And I felt like as soon as I started taking pictures, it was going to make it real. Well, guess what? It was real. And so I started taking pictures saying, I'm taking these pictures so that I could say, this is a picture I took right before I found you, you fucking jerk. Yeah. You know, like, and it was like a little, like, fuck you to Eric. Like, uh-huh. okay, so later we're going to laugh about all this. And then it became more and more, the chances of him being alive were less and less every day. But I still was like, there's just no way. Like, Mm-mm. and then again, the fact that, let's go back to the, the movie that never will be. The fact that he the was found the day. No. <laughs> Because it doesn't seem real. The fact that he was found the day after the candlelight vigil. That just happened. Yeah, they suffered enough. Give me a break. And like that picture I took where like we we stayed on the bridge and threw those candles in. And then I took that picture like that's totally out of focus. And that that's where his body was. That's where his body was. Like, are you kidding? You were there the whole fucking time. And that's why that was like our home base. Like we knew. Uh-huh. We knew you were right there. Yeah, he was. his grandma is sitting in Ruth's lawn. Yeah. And, and she saw... Did anyone see him? No one saw him, though. Like, Because no. I remember we were talking about you didn't allow anybody to identify the body because you didn't want that to be the last vision that they had of him. Well... Or did they, somebody? They wouldn't let me. Good. Sorry. <laughs> I was in that moment wanting to um my mom had to identify her brother um after a bad car accident her older brother um and she was kind of the one that was like Mm -mm. don't do it no thank you Thelma for that you you can't erase that from your mind Mm -hmm. um so no I didn't Nobody saw him. Um, you know, I, I think it kind of 
happened the way it was supposed to or he wanted it to. Uh, I think he knew his grandma could handle finding or being the one to see him. And I mean, she was sitting at the in the lawn, and he, it looked kind of like a black. He had a black windbreaker on, so it kind of looked like a garbage bag that was floating. Um, but she knew, you know, was convinced it was him. Um, you know, and my dad had been right in that water the night before until. It was dark out. I know we had people kayaking and in he there. Was paying boats. divers. He yep. was full on. Um, yeah, I remember the divers. Yeah, so nobody found him in the sense of, you know, if my dad was on that boat and he was floating then. And like, some of the divers got hurt, didn't they? Yeah. There were people um, that got hurt because the water was so treacherous. One, Yeah, one of the deep water divers, he went down and broke a collarbone because he said, you know, down at the bottom there were trees, rocks, like tree trunks, like literally shooting down. They called it the washing machine, that like part. Yeah. Because um, of how dangerous it was. Wow. Yeah. You know, there's, I ended up going to dinner with um, the girl who called 911 and I never met her. And I don't think she, I mean, she felt horrible, but I really just went to dinner with her to thank her because, you know, when I dropped him off, it was like flash flood, pouring rain. Nobody was at that park. Um, if she hadn't seen him, like, I just think about how the whole thing would have played out. I mean, her seeing him crying for help, like that. Like, we would have known where to start. Like, we would have been wouldn't have even known he was in the water. Wouldn't have even known. And what time did she call? Do you remember? Um, I think it was around five, four or five. Which is hours after you dropped him off. Mm -hmm. So he was looking for a while. Yeah. Yeah, but it's, that's the thing that I say, like, when I went into the police station, it's crazy that um, I didn't ask to see or hear her report. I can't believe I didn't. Well, what would have been different if you did? Well, after meeting with her and talking to her, I think I would have given up hope right then. Because she was like... Well, that's why you didn't. I saw him. He was struggling. He went underwater and never came up. And... This was like a month, two months later, but after funeral, after everything. But it's just crazy that it, I'm like, I could have had that conversation with her that day he went missing and it would have been like over. Like we searched and had hope and looked and wanted to do everything we could. That's the way it was supposed to be though, because if we all went in there thinking like, we're going to find our friend dead, it would have been a totally different experience. We were, we were all, we all needed that hope. Yeah. We needed yeah. it. Mm -hmm. We and really to bring did. everybody together. And you know, that is another huge part of his legacy. Yeah. You know, everybody talks about the pictures he took that will live on forever. But I think what he did to that group of people. Yeah. It was amazing. It was amazing. Totally. Yeah. I remember, I, 
tried to talk to everybody that searched and kind of like hear how they knew him. And there was, I don't know if you knew this, but you guys celebrated Ryder's birthday, like, I don't know, a little bit before. Mm, the, week, the, people, the Sunday before. The people that barbecued right next to you came. Mm-hmm. And they remembered him. They remembered you guys. They remembered barbecuing near you. And they said we had to come out because we shared a barbecue pit with them or something. And I'm like, wow, like, I could share a barbecue pit with someone and go missing. And those people will come look for my body? They'll come look for me? Like, that was, like, everybody had a story. Everybody had something that they held on to, whether they talked to him in line at the grocery store or they were like... I just feel for her. She's pregnant. She has two kids and and their dad is missing and her husband is missing and I just have to come help, you know? Um, So, you know, you know me and I'm like at the bridge or at the church, wherever, wherever we were. And I'm like, people are showing up and I'm, I'm there at like this, like just sobbing or whatever state I was in, like welcoming people and just trying to get their story. And my memory sucks. So, and I was also like in, I was grieving. Like, I can't remember everybody's stories. I wish I could. Um, and it just was amazing to me how many people he brought in. Like, those people that you barbecued next to came. Yeah. Like, wow. And then there was a woman that, um, her name's Heather McGee, and she, uh, we're friends on Facebook. We became friends at the search, and she was a, another person, I think, that called 911 and that had heard him or saw him. She was the second person. She wasn't the main person. Mm-hmm. And I just, I follow her life on Facebook, and I see her posts, and I... I just see her in my life and I'm like, wow, you're in my life. Like you were one of the last people to see my Mm. friend alive. Like, you know, it's just this, I don't know. And it's, it's the bigger, I guess the bigger lesson is the community that he brought together, you know? And then you're, you're just like, I don't want to waste that. Like, I don't, that's precious to me. Mm. And this, you're asking me again earlier before we even started, like, why are you doing this podcast? Why are you doing this? And that's really what it comes back to is that community that exists, whether we know it or we don't, whether someone goes missing and we have a search party and there's people that are aware of it or not, or people are going through, you know, losing their moms or, you know, their cat dies or there's something going on in their life. Like you're just, you're not alone in it. And I feel like too often people feel alone in their struggle, you know, and it, and, and luckily well, police, now it's not like that. But. Like the police had never seen anything like it in their like ever. Like, <laughs> which is sad like to me, he was there's... like a celebrity. <laughs> like they were like, wait, this was a wedding photographer. Like who the hell are you guys? Like where the fuck are all these people coming from? And you know, I know at first they were like, you know. All, you know, protective of like, you know, they had their dogs and didn't want, you know, any trails to be messed up or, you know, people to ruin evidence or something like, and then they finally were like, these people can't be contained. Mm-hmm. They like, okay, no. you know what? The more the better. If somebody finds anything, then, you know, we can't say No. No. No, and I, I remember we brought in some guys. We had posted about it, and there was this kid who I still follow on Instagram. I think his name is Ray from Long Island, and he maybe was 20 or 21. Remember him? Yes. And he brought his other, these two little, they're kids. Mm-hmm. They drove from Long Island to come and help and search. And then we had, I still have in my car, 
the like the baseball card of one of the canine dogs that came in independently. Like we just had so many people. We had psychics coming. We had <laughs> dogs. We had search and rescue people. We had. I had a friend I met at Inspire whose dad or uncle or somebody owned a plane, and they were going to fly over the river and come yeah. search. Like. Yeah. People showed up with their boats. Yeah. Freeze I remember the Millers showed up with their with their kayaks on top of the Jeep. Yeah, I remember I searched with the Jeffreys and poison ivy. I'm so allergic to poison ivy. I was like, fuck poison ivy. I'll go on steroids. Candace was muddy. Oh. And her, like, she took her clothes off to go wade through the, 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 the river to get to poison ivy island, Candace Jeffrey. And yeah, I just, like, I, I remember every team I went out with. I remember every group. I remember... I remember so much about it, and I don't remember a lot, but I remember that it would, you know, when it was rainy out and it was treacherous, and it was like you could only search a quarter mile because the rocks were so slippery and you could break your ankle. And you know, Julie and I were in our ponchos, scaling fallen trees, and you know, Greg Lewis and Jim Altieri and the Jeffries and I are out yelling his name on that first night, like thinking he's going to hear us. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would just yeah. yell it. Right, and they everyone would just be quiet, like, like, do we yell it too? You know, like, you just somebody yell back. That's all you wanted to to do was hear that, you know. Yeah, Yeah. and it was that moment of silence after where you listened, and it was so quiet, you know. Yeah, it was fucked up, but the the people that let us use their church—I don't remember the name of the church, but the um, the Walnut Hill. Was it Walnut Hill? That's what just came to mind when I said that. And I'm like, no, that's a venue I shot at in Maine, but it actually is Walnut Hill Church. They were so generous and, like, tolerant of my potty mouth and my <laughs> sneaking tequila in the church. Like, they were just so, like, the pastor, pastor there. pastor I loved. Oh, my God. He I was loved. wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Hendersons were so supportive and great. There's just so many people that they, sh- they, they just stood up and were like, we got you. You know, <clears throat> and uh, yeah, and Janet and Jessica Higgins and like I had some people that like I never I didn't go home that whole week. I oh. went to Walmart and bought underwear with Anthony DiCarlo. He has pictures of it because I'm like, oh, I gotta have clean underwear. I mean, I'll search, I'll get dirty, but I need clean underwear. Yeah, and I had people doing Janet's. my laundry. Yeah, I slept at Janet's and I, I bought toothbrushes. Put pubes on her soap. <laughs> at least I showered. <laughs> Yeah, and I had extra toothbrushes in case anyone else needed it. I had toilet paper. We're not going to have bad teeth. No. Clean underwear and good teeth. No, I had standards still. (laughs) And people were bringing me socks. Like, people brought, like, you know, I remember Aurora showed up with Technu because I was wading through poison ivy, and I'm deathly allergic, and she's like, you need this. And she showed up and gave it to me, and I washed myself with it, and I never got poison ivy. Which is fucking crazy. Because I'm so allergic. Yeah. I never got it. And I literally would stand and I'd look. And it's like poison ivy as far as I could see. And I'm in the middle of it. I never got it. We're talking about Eric's birthday coming up on Thursday. I'm doing a celebratory... Something. Something. Sloppy Joe's. Sloppy Joe's. What else? What else did he like? Um... Coffee. I was trying to think like food. Right. Or like a movie that he loved or something. Um he he loved the kids. I mean, 
Mm-hmm. Us having kid time, like good old fashioned home, stupid dinner on paper plate. That sounds about right. Beg him, like, come up with something better for me to cook for you for your birthday dinner. And he only wanted sloppy joes. He was like, don't even mess with it. The one in the can. Yes. Did he like manwich? Manwich, yeah. Yes. That's the best one. Potato rolls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Um, We'll we'll be off our low carb diet on Thursday, Danielle. Yeah. That is not clean eating. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about his birthday this year. I mean, all birthdays and anniversaries and holidays and all that shit is not easy. It's not. And I feel like a lot of it too is the pressure to feel on those days. And you may or may not feel anything those days and you might feel the Tuesday before. Right. Or the day after Mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, because... Christmas with three little kids is really freaking fun. It is, isn't it? And happy. And um, so even though I could get stuck in the the loss or or what's missing, the happiness kind of takes over. Which it should. Takes center stage. Yeah, and and that's what he would want. Totally. Totally. Just make it all about those kids. They should have a, a happy, great Christmas. Um. But like the day or two after, when it's quiet and every, you know, everybody's gone home and there's just a freaking mess. <laughs> yeah, that's when you start thinking like, you know, I can't believe another Christmas these kids don't have their dad. Yeah. Was that his favorite holiday, or what was his favorite holiday? He was not nearly as holiday, like oriented as I was. Um, even like birthdays, I think like. Parents kind of just played down, and my parents kind of played up. So it's just kind of that way you're brought up. If birthdays are a huge freaking deal, yeah, birthdays were a big deal for us. Yeah, me me too. Um, But I like kind of showed him that, and and he loved it. Mm -hmm. Um, Any, I mean, he loved the lake. Any day, like revolving around the kids was like his best day that's what I remember about him and I actually <clears throat> I remember looking through his pictures I still go on his Facebook a lot mm. I'm so glad you didn't take that down by the way don't ever take that down <laughs> I don't even know how good don't <laughs> I would mm-hmm. never actually side note I feel like Facebook has a thing with people that have died like you can tell them you can tell them or you or they could preserve it or like you could print it out or have like because you don't want to take it down never no because I like still want to write him messages and like yeah I do too when post I'm to him and um, yeah but me and Candace were just like she came across something crazy and she was like I just texted this to Eric <laughs> meanwhile it's somebody else that has his phone right yeah have you talked to the person that has his phone um well I used to r- randomly call the number um but then like the last time that I did somebody answered and and I was I think I hung up but um yeah she was like I just texted this inappropriate picture to his phone but it's kind of in I don't know we didn't always like have a Facebook and I think 
for people. It just makes them... It's like kind of like going to a cemetery. It's like no. having an altar. Yeah, exactly. You're, it's there. I tag him in post still. Mm-hmm. Homeboy's not yeah. seeing it. <laughs> no, or maybe he is. Maybe he is. I, I, I believe that he is. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. But I would ne- yeah, ne- never take it down. I, mm-hmm. like, I think when the kids are older, like, I can imagine myself like going diving deep. Like right? Spending every if that was your dad, every comment he ever made, yeah. and you know, you can like really get to know a person mm-hmm. by their like Facebook, and not just as your dad, but as a person, which is like this whole other yeah, the part of he him shared they, they and what he liked, and you know, he did post so much about the kids, and he did. Oh my god, he loved your kids. Like, hit such a great turning point in a lot. Yeah, of things. and words like wanted to put family back like center stage and the business had been our baby for enough it just takes a toll because you want to know what like as much as you love your business your business doesn't love you back it doesn't it's not what holds you at night no um you know and i think it's so crazy because we both were so driven by having a successful business and that kind of was like the barometer of ourselves and you know if the business is doing good we're doing good and um we really cared about what other people thought of our business and it is crazy because the fact that that's not a part of my life today Mm. To real, like... It's almost like a double loss, really. You lose yeah, your husband, yeah. your best I mean, friend, I, the father of your kids, and your business. It's all gone. Like, it's yeah. not like you like, continued shooting after. I don't that person, really. Who, you? Yeah, that, like, I mean... You're a whole new my person. My life is almost unrecognizable. And it's, and it's good, and it's great, and I'm... <clears throat> How do you feel about that, though? Do you feel like you go through periods of a kind of mourning? Like, you're not in the home that you and Eric shared. No. Which I, and I don't think I've ever shared these with you, but I took pictures of your house when you mm. when I was there, and I was helping you guys kind of move. And, like, moving. you know, I took pictures of the drawings your kids made in the basement. I yeah, have those. Like your pantry. Mm-hmm. Like, I have those. The... Those exist. They're preserved. They're backed Good. up. I got them. <laughs> Good. <laughs> 17 hard drives. I got them. They're in the cloud. They, but, like, yeah. you don't need to be bombarded with all that because you have so many other things you're dealing with. But, like, but you, you so you're not, you're not in the home you guys shared. You, you don't have the business you guys shared. You have right. a new child that he's never held Mm-mm. or met. And you're in a new home and you're a new person. And yeah. what is that like? It's unreal. You know, like people always say, like, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> like, if you were to ask me five years ago where <clears throat> my life would be, there's no way anybody, like, there's there's no way you could even imagine. Um, I think that, yeah, there is a lot of loss. But I also... I think I am way more real. I think my priorities are way, way more in line with 
what makes me happy and what is really important. Um, I think in that business, it's very easy to get caught up in comments on your blog and what people right. like and how much you're being shared and who's coming to your workshop and just kind of the, um, the social media kind of fakeness of it. So I think I live way more real life now. Like I, that stuff used to really matter to me. Yeah. I, so, so now we like, before we started recording, we were talking about you potentially shooting, possibly shooting, discussing the idea of shooting. So he and I were talking about things we were struggling with and we just kind of wanted to shake things up. And I was with my second shooter, Mike, for six or seven years and he was with you since the beginning of time. Mm-hmm. So our plan was you were going to shoot with me for a year and Mike was going to shoot with Eric. Then he had to go and die. <laughs> he wrecked our plan. You know, I did shoot a wedding or two after he passed away. Um, and it was so difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are other things I could shoot or would like to shoot. So you don't think you'd ever do a wedding again? Um, don't want too much time to go by that I feel out out of touch with it. Um, I still, you know, Brendan just did an engagement shoot for his friend and I was like, oh, let me get a babysitter. I want to come. He was like, oh, I'll take a couple of pictures for you guys for your, um, you know, save the date or whatever. And so I went. And he's like, you took that shit right over. He's like, you jumped right back into those shoes. Like, you know, you look over here, you look over here. Oh my God, this would be amazing. Like, and it felt great to, it felt, it felt great to, to do that again. Now, how did that feel? Here's our segue. But you're talking about going out and shooting with Brendan, Mm -hmm. who, give me a little background. I know the background, but people listening don't know the background. Oh, well, he is my boyfriend. And he was? A friend of mine and Eric's mm-hmm. for years. Um, he's seven years younger than me, <laughs> which <laughs> I just think is funny. It it's is not funny. really an issue. It's mm-hmm. I think it's amusing. He's a um, great, great, great person. I love him. I <clears throat> and he also worked with you guys. Yes, yeah. he shot with us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was my boss at Starbucks, and then, I did not know he was your boss. Yes. Wow, that's actually funny. He trained me and was my boss at Starbucks, and we would talk about photography because he was interested in it. Always, you know, he would uh, he would shoot with uh, one of the local photographers in town, and um, you know, do like school shoots, prom, that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think I invited him to one of our workshops, and then him and Eric hit it off. And so, you know, even though me. And Brendan were friends first. Him and Eric, their friendship took over. And then I kind of got kind of kicked to the curb. Um, (laughs) So he would come with us to weddings. He was editing with Eric. They got along great. And um, it was awesome. I think that I'm super lucky to even experience two loves like Mm. this in one lifetime. I'm very lucky that I have this silly, crazy, funny guy. He's, you know, my partner in crime right now. Um, 
he is amazing with my kids, loves me and loves my kids. You know, I think I think some people don't get to have a love like I've had once in their life. So for me to be with somebody that makes me so happy right now, I can't even believe it. Um, yeah, you are pretty lucky, huh? Super lucky. How do you and feel? Like, how it. do you feel like people have responded to that? Because I've oh. been, I feel like, <clears throat> and I don't know. We've never talked about this. I don't think. But I feel like I'm hyper aware of how many likes you get on Facebook when you post a picture of Brody or you talk about your kids or you post a memory of Eric. Mm -hmm. And then when you post something with you and Brendan, how many less likes there are. I'm very aware of it and I'm very protective of it. Mm -hmm. And I like every single fucking picture I see. Because <laughs> I'm like, I feel like, and I've actually had conversations with people that have said, I feel like it's too soon you know, should she really be dating? And I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> like, just so you know, I'm your border fucking patrol. <laughs> and I'm ready to fucking haymaker the shit out of anybody that thinks that they know better than anything. Like, the bottom line is, Eric is dead. Mm -hmm. He's gone. Like, that's the bottom line. And like, I think what people are struggling with, and I've had this conversation with people, is that, they, they're, they're projecting and they're thinking, if I died, would my husband or wife move on and be happy without me? And that's what people are struggling with. It's not that they're not I happy for I think that scares you. the shit out of people. It does scare the shit out of people. And because I'm not attached to anybody, mm -hmm. I'm my own entity. I'm not with anybody. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and, and even if I was, I, I feel like I'd be, able, I'd be able to see that and recognize it for what it was. And, and so I'm like your biggest <laughs> proponent for like you know what, it, you, there is no timeline on grief. And unless you've been through it yourself, and even if you have been through it yourself, everyone's situation is different. And he knew Eric, and he knew your kids, and he knew you, and he was there searching, and he was a part yeah. of it all. And even if he wasn't, like, is that any different? You know what I mean? Do you notice that? Do you notice that? And do you, how do you bit. feel about it? I mean, a little bit. And, I mean, it was very, like, organic, the way kind of the way that it all happened and it wasn't anything that I was looking for or no, because, that I needed. Be, because after Eric died, like, Brendan just, like, he stepped up and he was, like, he was there. He was and there he for the was, kids. He was there he for was you. He was my dude. He was. And, yeah. You know? He was amazing. And he is and amazing. We, just as friends, but he showed up with champagne flowers on Valentine's Day because he knew Eric wasn't there to do that. Like, and we were just friends. I am super aware of socially what I share or what um, I say because I, I know I'm kind of living in a fishbowl and I was very um, conscious of Eric's family and what they would think or what. You know, I didn't want them... Because my family, they were on board early on. Yeah. They just wanted me to be happy. They all got it. Yeah. But I just... It was the people who didn't know me so much or didn't know him so much that I, like, worried about. And then... And I kept things private and didn't share, didn't talk about it for so long. And then, you know, one day I was like, you know, that's not fair to him. He's amazing. Mm -hmm. Why do I have to keep this all 
you know, stuffed up and quiet and behind the, you know, closed door, he doesn't deserve to be a secret. If anybody's going to judge me wrong, you know, for, for that, then I was kind of willing at that point to be, say, okay, you yeah. judge me all you want. You have not walked in my shoes. Mm-mm. I don't think there is a timeline. I think everybody's different. Um, I needed somebody who understood where I came from. Yeah. I don't think I could just like go on Match.com and have met some person Randy. and been like, wait till you hear this story. Yeah, because like, they wouldn't believe it. <laughs> and they'd go running the other way. Um, he had just been through the thick of it with me. So it just kind of happened. And I think that's the best way. You shouldn't be lonely. No, and you know, you my, know? my best friend Meredith, her dad died when uh, she was two. And I remember us being in high school <clears throat> and, um, you know, her, or the girls sleeping over and her being like, I have to, I have to go home. My mom's home alone. And just, like, afraid of going too far away to college. Afraid of, like, because her, like, she just worried about her mom being alone. And I, you know, not that that was a motivating factor or anything, but I, I don't want my kids to worry about me. That's not their job. I think when you are ready and open and in a good place on your own, that love kind of comes into your life. Um... Regardless of what anybody thinks or says, I think that Eric is happy that Brendan is in my life. I think he approves. <laughs> I don't think he'd want me to be alone. You know, somebody that my mom grew up with went to a psychic over, or a medium over the holidays and messaged. My mom, she hasn't talked to her in years, and said she sat down, and of course she knew the whole story with Eric, but she sat down, and Eric came through during her reading. And, you know, this is like twice removed. Um, To the point, like, she had to, like, you know, the medium was, like, apologizing. Like, I know this reading's supposed to be about you and your family, but... But homeboy's (laughs) over here going... He needs to get this he's, he's he needs to say. Yeah, and <laughs> <laughs> so the whole thing was him, and she shared it with my mom, but just, um, like, you know, I know Amber has tough days, but she needs to know that I'm always there, that I'm with her when she smells my clothes, that I see her do that, um... And you do still do that, right? Uh, which I was like, oh, so embarrassing. <laughs> I like checking to see if they still smell like him. And that he, you know, is, is with me and the kids all the time. That he's so proud of me. He needs me to know that um, he approves and supports Brendan being in my life. And he's happy that I have love and that the kids have him there so just all these like amazing things you know came through maybe just at a time that I needed to hear them but um people are always gonna have judgments I know in my heart that I am not doing anything wrong 
that if I, if the, you know, tables were turned, I would want my kids to have, you know, a woman in their life that loved them and that was there for Eric and, you know, I, so I have just totally different perspective on the whole thing. I feel, you know, as long as you feel good about it and your kids are great about it and he treats you well and he's a good person, which all of those things exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And, I, I, you know, I was two months pregnant when he died. So me going through that pregnancy, mm-hmm. delivering that baby. Um, and knowing what a wonderful dad he was and how into the newborn phase oh he my God. was. And, like, yes. we talked about that. You're like, he was the one who would do the baby burrito. I was, that was me. I'm so good at the baby burrito. He was like swaddling. Master. Yeah. And just, I mean, he would lose his mind over this kid. This kid is just the best thing to have ever happened to all of us because he brings so much joy. And I think that's also had a, been a, a huge factor in this grieving process because how how can you be sad when there is this happy, giggly, smiley, beautiful baby? Yeah. How, like, you know, a- Avery and Ryder are just <clears throat> delighted with him and, and everybody, everybody just wants to be around him and... He's like the sun. Oh, he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he sleeps like a college kid. I mean, I had to wake him up at <laughs> 9.30 to go to nursery school today so I could get here. Like, he, like, what? Two-year-old sleeps till 9 in the morning. Um, so he is easy and happy and funny. And, um, you know, I, I think about some... Times like having to, like someday he's gonna ask. Mm. <laughs> like, yeah. How are you, know, you, gonna, ha- how are you gonna handle that? that? How are you gonna do? How, what are you gonna do? Do you have a plan? No. You've got Robert Norman's podcast where you can hear <laughs> his dad's voice. Yeah, and and, uh, and he and looks at pictures, and I mean, mm-hmm. he will. You know, there's daddy and mommy, and he will point out his picture on the wall. I don't know how much that means to him at this point, but. Um, has he heard his voice? The kids play videos, you know, sometimes. Like that freaking crazy Jim Altieri video. <laughs> you know, I get, am so still, like, shocked that Eric's not here. Um, that thinking about what we had gone through right before with his mom, um, you know, 52 the God, that's so young. That's light, me in ten years. Yeah, the light in, in my kids' lives just. Um, those she are two was the big, glue. Yeah, she was the glue in that family. Um, with a whole bunch of awkward French Canadian men. <laughs> she, was the, she was just. I love that he spoke French, though. Come on. She was the glue, and you feel her absence every step of the way because she just was but you know I I remember having a conversation with Dennis Eric's dad um you know after he passed away 
and saying, can you imagine if Diane was here? Mm. And honestly, I think that things kind of, things do go the way that they're supposed to, but I don't think she could have survived that week with us. Yeah, can you Me. imagine looking for your son's body? No. She couldn't have dealt with that. She could not have dealt with that. I can't believe that they're both gone. It's hard to imagine, like, her mom yeah. lost her daughter my grandson. Yeah. Like, can you imagine losing Avery and Avery's son? Can you imagine looking for Ryder's body? Can I imagine looking for Jackson's body? No, like, no, just no. fucking kill, kill me. me now. Kill, kill me, me now. No, no. no. Nobody needs I can barely to talk about no, it. No, nobody even needs to... And it feels like there's no rhyme or reason to it, right? But, like, everything we read and we see and mm. we talk about says, this is the best outcome that could have possibly happened for you. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, your life is truly better because you don't have your husband. Mm -mm. And your kid's life no. is truly better because they don't have their dad. But there, there has to be, there has to be a silver lining to it. Is, is the community portion of it all that there is? And even though it's wonderful and it's great, it doesn't give your kids their dad back. Mm -mm. It doesn't give you your husband back. And it's, it's just one of those, those struggles in life. It's like, I'm still trying no, to make sense. It, I have not found a silver lining, to be honest. I haven't. And you were such a fucking good dad. Oh, my God. He's not, he, he wasn't just a good you, dad. Like, he was amazing. were top shelf. Off the fucking charts. I think my kids have, I think that they have a, a big hole. It's going to make them so much stronger in some aspects of their life. The fact that they have experienced such... You know, big loss, but you still worry about them. Like, I don't know how to handle grief. So, how do you tell a nine-year-old or yeah. show a nine-year-old the way? I'm so, I'm so proud of them and where they are right now, and they're pretty happy kids. But even you know, the therapy that they've been in randomly, like, and they're not in therapy right now. But the therapist said, like, grief is kind of like a roller coaster. And so if they're good right now, then and school's going great. And but who knows? Like a couple months could go by, and they just might need a little extra. You know, I'm like the the queen of. I got it all under control. I got this. I've got it. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm having a bad day, let me just write down some things, some thoughts, then move on, move on, move on. Like hold it together. Um, but Brendan will like wake me up at night. And I'm hysterical crying in my sleep. And he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. But it's like, grief doesn't go away. Like, it's going to come out, even if you're sleeping. You know, like I, like, I wasn't having a bad dream. I wasn't thinking sad thoughts, but, like, I'm crying in my sleep. Because your body needs to process it. Because you're, you're holding it all in. And that's, they've, yeah. The, gotta run out somewhere it's hard to lean into it and let it is it because you feel like once you lean into it you're gonna just lose control or like what do you yeah, feel and sometimes I do like I, ha I know I have to sometimes you know like I have to let myself 
feel it and be in it and, you know, be in my pajamas for two days. I'm so glad you, you um, came and were open to sharing about this. I know it's not the easiest thing to talk about. and Yeah, I didn't know where this was going to go. But <laughs> Me I, either. Um, Me either. But I'm glad you were open to the process of it. And I came open and don't get to talk about the stuff a lot. So it feels great to talk about him and all of it. And I love you. I love you too. You know, honestly, like one day, you know, I'm, I'm all this is happening. You know, I'm absolutely, and I'm absolutely loving all the work I'm doing. Yeah. You know, other people are like, oh my god, you should totally do this forever. You know, my wife's like, oh my god, you're the best, and all this other stuff. And there's the weird voice. There's the voice. <laughs> you know how it is, like your family, yeah, and friends, of like, course, you're the greatest photographer ever. Yeah, or, yeah. You know, because they've never seen anything else. Right. I wish you. <laughs> and I love you. joining me for the third episode of Eyes Up, Heart Open. To view show notes, pictures, and see links to news articles, check out our site, eyesupheartopen.com.